Welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. I'm Josh Reeves, and we would love to see you here in person sometime. Our services take place in Lakewood, Colorado at 8 and 10 a.m. You can also catch our broadcast every Sunday morning at milehighchurch.org. Does God love abundance is today's topic. What's the spiritual center of abundance and how to be with abundance in all realms, including money and financial abundance? And so I believe that one of the first things we have to take a look at is a rumor that's been being spread for eons amongst human beings. Rumor has it that some beings and some traditions believe that to be prospered by God means the deepest level of humility possible, which means living small. Means not having things. And in this day and age, I can see how some of us are very triggered by the degree of materialism that's going on. We, we hear the statistics about how many people now have the wealth that appears to be on the planet versus the rest of us, and it can feel very uh, disproportionate and unequal, and we can start to resent those greedy people. And probably a bunch of them are greedy. And greed is equated to me with scarcity and fear. Because there are others who have lots of it and they're spreading it around. I love the stories I'm hearing about very wealthy Dolly Parton who is giving money away right and left to help other people. And so the bottom line is we don't know, unless we know for sure that some billionaire is not doing good work in the world, the minute we hear that they're a billionaire, sometimes that skeptic in us can start to assume that they're greedy and they're living too big for their britches. And I wonder if that belief or that projection might be tied to some part of us that believes that the most spiritual people don't need anything. The most spiritual people don't need money. They don't need clothing. They don't even need a house over their head. The most spiritual people wander through the world and don't need anything physical at all. And the more spiritual you are, the less you need to have. There's that kind of humble feeling. And so for those of us who are spiritual seekers, if we've got any of that going on inside of us, the minute we start to talk about or think about or look at acquiring more, becoming more abundant in some area of life, especially financially, that guilty feeling can take us down if we've fallen prey to it. That's probably why I never became a nun when I was a Catholic because it didn't really resonate too much with me, I will have to say. And the more I've studied it and looked at it, and I understand there are some deeply, profoundly mystical and spiritual people who have lived a purposefully austere life. They have withdrawn from society, withdrawn from the systems and the cultures, and gone into their inner world. And many of them have written and told of amazing experiences. We just finished a class, uh, the, some of the practitioners and I, where we studied three female mystics. And all three of them lived that life. And they didn't have anything and they revered poverty. One of them even basically starved herself because she thought God would, would bless her more if she didn't eat and didn't care about things of the world. 
And I understand that that life can have its spiritual benefits, but it's not for everyone. And what I would say is the God of our understanding doesn't need for us to live that way in order for us to feel and be blessed and experience it. One of the the main culprits in this narrative and in this rumor has been beliefs that people have articulated about the great teacher Jesus. A belief that he was himself poor and wandering the desert in his ministry and suffered from poverty. But that is not the truth as we know it. If we read about the writers who wrote about him and if we hear the words of experts who studied that time and his time, they would say quite the opposite, that Jesus and his family were fairly well off. And that even though Jesus never said, hey guys, I'm poor, or hey, I have lots of money, he never said that in any of the gospels that we know of. The main thing that many people point out and that I have felt all my life is, He always had what he needed, wherever he went. Not only for him, but all the people who followed him around. All the disciples and all the people who were with them, all the women who were in his tribe, they had plenty. Wherever they went, they were welcomed, they were fed, they were housed, they were clothed. And even we hear at the end of his life, a wealthy man made a way for him to be buried in his tomb and, he, and the guards fought over his, his uh, garment. I think that Jesus knew that God was his source and what he needed would come to him when he needed it. And it did. And I think that's what we're talking about. That the God that we believe in does not require of you or I to sacrifice ourselves. It doesn't demand that we become wealthy celebrities or gazillionaires or anything like that. What we're invited to do is to discover what our truth is. What's our greatest life? What what makes us feel happy and content? And there will be some who will be blessed with an abundance of money or wealth or things. And there will be others who will find their center and live a simple life where everything that they need is provided for. And so we get to determine what is ours in that dance of life. What feels best to us? When do we feel most content? And recognize There's no God up there saying, well, I'm going to bless you. Here, here's a gazillion dollars. You win, but you lose. I don't like you so much. There's not a God doing that. There's not a God testing us and saying, well, I'm going to make sure that they're tested well by making sure they experience poverty. That's not the God that we understand or believe to be true. Indeed, it's actually a God of profound abundance. And abundance is everywhere. We can see that abundance is everywhere we look. And if we look around our beautiful earth, all that we could ever require has been provided for us. All that we could ever require has been provided for us. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, talks often about the self-givingness of the divine. That whatever it is that created this earth and created all that was here, there's more than enough. Now, humans have come and created systems of bartering and exchange and financial good and systems for acquiring things, and that's all fine and dandy. And yet, 
all of it still falls into the realm of energy and welcoming and consciousness. And if we approach it with joyfulness, we are in the square center of the way in which the divine has sought to deliver all of this good to all of us all the time. But what happens is that we get out of alignment. We get, get sideways with our beliefs and our attitudes. Or we get to this place where we, we are desperate and afraid and we want things to change. And so we come from fear in our spiritual work. Ernest Holmes in his book Practical Application of Science of Mind, 1958, said, therefore, if anyone asks the question, can I become a millionaire overnight simply by affirming that I have a million dollars? The answer would be that nothing could be further from the truth. There are too many misguided people in dire circumstances who are affirming, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich. In a certain sense, their affirmation is correct, but frequently they overlook the fundamental principle of science of mind, which is that spirit can only do for us what it can do through us. Too often they fail to realize that they have a definite part to play in the relationship between God and themselves. That's my favorite thing Ernest Holmes ever has said. I think the most profound and powerful thing to begin to contemplate as we're looking at this issue of abundance in any area, spirit can only do for us what it can do through us. So it's not out there waiting to reward us with the goodies that we seek. We must provide an opening in our beingness, in consciousness, in energy, in joyfulness, in love for it to be expressed so that it can move through us and we can feel the joyfulness of living our best life. I do want to have a money moment here. I want to talk briefly about money. Jim Carrey, the great actor, said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they dream so they can see that's not the answer. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times he's saying we're, we're going after the wrong thing. And so how is it that we can be if money feels like it's a lack for us? And there's an example that I, I love about money, and that is there's a couple of them actually. Uh, there was a, a survey done many years ago where they said if we took all of the cash money on the planet and we split it up amongst every being who's alive right now, how much money would people have? And it was quite a bit of money at that time. Then they surveyed the economists and the social workers and psychologists and other experts and said, what do you think would happen if we did that? And they all came back with the same answer. Within a period of time, it would all be back to where it is right now. And that is because we make decisions about money based on our consciousness. We make decisions about what we're gonna do in that realm based on our previous experiences, our beliefs about ourselves, our sense of worth and well-being, our spiritual sense of, oh, should I have all this money? This is so much. Um, I'm too, too stressful about the responsibility of money. And so it would all come back to where it was. And so they were, they were saying that the circulation of financial good has all to do with the person. 
And this is true in every realm of living. That to have more friends, isn't it interesting that right now when there's more people on the planet than ever before, some of us are feeling a lack of companionship. When there are more opportunities to go out and and be of service in the world through volunteering or working or also opportunities, some of us are feeling a lack of, I don't know what to do with myself. That has all to do, we would say, in the realm of our abundance consciousness, our abundance consciousness. And the joy that we can bring to those situations. In uh, the story of money, one of my favorite stories, I love to teach the Prosperity Plus class also about abundance. And Mary, Mary Morrissey is the, the teacher of that class. We watch videos about her and then we use the videos for our discussions and our work. And she tells a story in one of her videos about having the opportunity to get to go hear a giant in the New Thought Movement many years ago named Raymond Charles Barker great author, speaker, and teacher. And she was fairly new, and she was so excited to go hear him speak. And there were about a 1,000 people at this presentation. And she said they introduced him, and he came out, and he was wearing a really beautiful suit, and he had distinctive white hair. And he walked out, and he stood in front of the audience, and he just looked at everybody. And then he took his wallet out, and he pulled out this big wad of cash, and he fanned it out. And she said it was like a bunch of $100 bills. And he looked at them all, and he took the money, and he put it up to his face, and he went, I love money. And he kissed it, kissed it, kissed it, kissed it. And then he put it back in in his pocket. And she said she was aghast. She thought that was just horrible and crude and rude and she thought it was just she couldn't believe it and she thought to herself is this guy even spiritual that he loves money like that and when he was done with this exercise he looked around and he said now how many of you were critical of what I just did how many of you even thought well that guy's not even spiritual if he loves money and then he said and this really always hits me He said, I want you to know, money heard you. (laughs) He said, nothing comes to people who don't like it or love it. If you want more of something, you got to love it. You got to be joyful about it. He said, if I were to bring out a little three-year-old boy and pick him up and hold him up in front of you and then kiss him... And say, this is my grandson. I just love my grandson. No one would be offended by that, right? So why? Why are we so offended, defended about money? Oh, those telemarketers. All those people call me. Oh, that church wants money. Oh, that minister's talking about money. Oh, they're money, money. (laughs) If we don't love it, And have an opportunity to say, oh, isn't that cool? Great. I love money. They're talking about money. (sighs) I love meditation. They're talking about meditation. I love friendships and service and opportunities to be with people. And they're talking about being with people. I love my body. And they're talking about health and well-being. 
That's what we're talking about when we're talking about joyful abundance in this series. The invitation to step into the joy. Whatever your issue might be, wherever it is that you might be a little bit uh, falling into or a lot of falling into a sense of lack about that area of your life, the first thing is you got to fall in love with that area. Even with all of its challenges, obstacles, to be able to say, well, I'm getting a great opportunity to grow here and I just love it. Because I know that as I walk through this challenge, I'm going to create more of that good because I'm loving it. It's an opportunity to deepen into it. So the ultimate conclusion is that we can step into greater and greater abundance. The great author Alan Cohen says, the answer is to upgrade our goal from object to experience. And that's a part of what this first week is about. Stepping into loving the experience of creating more abundance. Loving the opportunity that's before us to create more abundance. Loving the conversation about abundance and every way that it shows up. Loving it and being with it so that we can expand and be embraced by it and embrace it. So I have three G's for us to start with. One of them I've already mentioned. This week, it's an invitation. First G is God. To spend time in contemplation and noticing as we go through our life the abundant ways that God is showing up. One of the best ways to do this and have it be expansive is to notice it in nature. And this time of year is such a perfect time because the blooming flowers and the beautiful sky and, oh, the full moon last night. Oh, my gosh. So much beauty. And to recognize that all that beauty represents the self-givingness of God to all beings to look for it. Dr. Marjorie used to say, look for the good and praise it. So my invitation is look for God and praise it this week. Be willing to see and remember that we are supplied so beautifully on this planet. God. The second G is gratitude. Gratitude. It's not just for Thanksgiving. It's for all year long. There have been study after study produced studying the brain on gratitude. And every study indicates that a grateful person's brain has synapses that fire off in ways that produce chemicals that just literally make them happier, more content, more joy-filled, more aware of the good of their life. There is a study that I loved reading from Harvard that said, in positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. So we know and hear about all the time the elements of gratitude. Gratitude journals, 
thank you notes, saying thank you to people. And this study even said that uh, when we uh, leave, like let's say today, you leave here and you loved the music from the band and Jennifer, and you don't get a chance to see any of those people in person and thank them. They said that even if you think about it mentally and leave going, oh, I'm so grateful for that great music today, it has the same effect on your physiology. It's the willingness, even mentally, just to be grateful. So turn up the gratitude this week. And the last one, the last G, is generosity. Because the nature of God is the self-givingness of the universe, giving itself constantly through us, when we are generous, we are godlike. The tagline for my Principles of Financial Freedom class is duplicating the nature of God in our finances. And every time we are generous in any way with our words, with our actions, with our gratitudes, with our support of anyone, we are duplicating the nature of God. And it feels so good and it lifts us up and it makes us feel and sense the truth of who we are. A few weeks ago, it was a Friday, which is generally my day off, and I was running around doing a whole bunch of personal errands. And it was also the week that young Richard Jarl got shot for going to the wrong house and ringing the wrong doorbell. And a number of other, in my mind, senseless shootings occurred that week like that. And I was trying to be very positive, but here's the space I was, I was honestly in about all that. What the hell is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? And I was driving around running my errands, and I was kind of grumpy. I was like, what is wrong with people that this stuff is happening? I, I can't, it's unimaginable. I can't believe this is going on. And I was very activated and I let myself be activated for a while. And then I thought, you know, Michelle, I don't think this is helping the situation. You're just adding to the cloud of, and you're not being very friendly as you're going around doing all these errands. I, I would like to feel different. What could I do? And I know it will surprise you to know that I was in the drive through line at the Starbucks. And um, it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hardly ever happens, right, Sherry? Hardly, hardly. Yeah. <laughs> she said daily. And so I was in the line and I was kind of contemplating this and I looked in my rearview mirror and behind me, I could tell there was a woman in a car with a bunch of teenagers and the teenagers were like, I could see everything going on. And I was like, wow, okay. And so all of a sudden I was like, I'm gonna pay for all their drinks. And I got up to the counter and I, the barista said, okay, here's your bill. And I said, okay, great. And I want to pay for that car behind me. And she looked at me and she said, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I just, I feel like being generous and I'd like to pay it forward today. And she said, okay, sounds good to me. So she charged me for that. And I drove off and went about my day. But I noticed something was lighter inside of me. Generosity, any way we can be generous, helping someone out, giving to the causes that we love and the places that we love through our service, our time, our treasure, our talents. Generosity doesn't just bless the being that we're generous to. 
It's a huge blessing to our hearts. And it's a huge way to get back into alignment with our abundant nature. To say, I am so abundant that I can give you some time right now. I am so abundant that I'm going to share my money with you. I am so abundant that I'm going to pause and hold your hand while you cry right now. I am so abundant that I'm going to share my gifts and talents with that organization that could really use them. I, it's the, that is, I am so abundant is the core idea that generosity springs forth from. And that's how we awaken to joyful generosity. God gratitude, generosity. We awaken to our abundant nature. This week, go out and practice it. Allow yourself to embrace joyful abundance. Let's pray. I invite our practitioner prayer partners, thank you, to stand with me. Practitioner prayer partners, join us for our opportunity to pray together and anchor this in as a community. Ooh, we are God in action. We can feel and sense the power and the presence of that infinite light that shines brightly and powerfully and joyfully through all creation. We allow ourselves to breathe in this truth right here and right now. Breathe in this reality of being. Breathe in our true nature and breathe it out. Indeed, with every breath in and breath out, we are experiencing the God presence within us, feeling the gratitude of our life and the generosity of breathing out and giving back to the plants and trees that shall benefit from our outbreath. We are living, being, walking experiences of the divine, living itself out in all of these ways. The abundant nature of life is ours. I claim this, I accept this, and I embrace this now for myself and all those within the sound of my voice. As we go forth, I declare that this is a week of joyful abundance for each one of us, a deepening, an opening, an expansive nature that has its way with us. And I'm so grateful for all the ways that it blesses us this day and every day. Thank you, life. We let this go. We let it be in absolute faith and trust. It is done. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.